EO Fire 1287. Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to EO Fire, where I chat with inspiring entrepreneurs seven days a week. Are you ready to create, grow, and monetize your podcast? Visit freepodcastcourse.com and ignite. Hold on to those afterburners, Fire Nation. JLD here, and I'm fired up to bring you our featured guest today, John K. Coyle. John, are you prepared to ignite? I am ready, sir. Yes. John is a senior vice president and professor of innovation, founder of the Art of Really Living Movement, NBC commentator, author, and Olympic silver medalist. John is a thought leader in the field of horology, the study of time, not to be confused with urology, the study of... um, other things, Fire Nation. Things. So take a minute, John, fill in any gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. Sure. So so I guess, you know, the best backdrop I can give is I've been basically chasing time my entire life. For nearly 20 years as an aspiring Olympic athlete, it was all about compressing more laps, more strokes, more meters, more miles into the same amount of time. And as I retired from sport in my late 20s, that obsession sort of morphed when I started realizing something that maybe you've experienced, John, which is each summer started feeling shorter than the last. Have you experienced that? I have, even though I'm in San Diego, so it's like one yeah. big summer, not like the two months you have in true, Chicago. True. <laughs> Good point. And I was not okay with this, right? Like, that's not fair that each year should seem shorter. Right. And I became obsessed about doing something about it. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into a lot more. You said laps, John. So was your silver medal in swimming? It was in short track speed skating. Love that. So John, we're going to be diving into a lot of your backstory today. But before we get into the backstory, let's get into the present. We're talking about today. How do you, John, generate revenue in your business right now? Uh, Right now, I primarily generate revenue through doing keynote speeches, and I don't say motivational speaker. We can get into that later, but uh, (laughs) there's no down by the river in this particular gig, and I do uh, workshops as well as I teach some classes at a couple different universities on innovation. Eventually, though, I am working on a book that I hope will also serve as a revenue generator. Wonderful. Well, again, Fire Nation, as you can see, we're just starting to peel back the many layers of what makes John an entrepreneur, just a successful human being. But John, you haven't always just been successful. Like you haven't gone from success to success. I mean, you as an athlete, even no more than most, you know, the the second place, the third place, the failing, the falling, XYZ. So take us back to what you consider your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. And John, we really want to hear the story behind that. So take us to that moment in time and tell us that story. And this will be a little bit of a change because uh, I hope you can agree with me that being an Olympic athlete competing for Team USA is essentially a full-time job. Will you follow that? I would say absolutely. Okay. So uh, this story sort of backs me into competing for Team USA and uh, there was a period there where I was in college. I wasn't competing with the team because I was full-time in school at Stanford. And, and despite that, despite training on my own and, and having no coach and no training program, I managed to come in 12th place in the, in the world wow. uh, training on my own while full-time in school. So when I finished 
college, I joined the Olympic program full-time and sort of started that full-time job. And with the Olympic team, you know, uh, I had all the support, all the coaching, all the program, diet, you name it. But for some reason, it didn't work for me. And instead of from going from 12th to 6th to 1st in the world, which was my plan uh, on the Olympic team, I actually went from 12th to 34th to not even making the team. Wow. So I decided to quit the team, not the sport. I decided that I would become the equivalent of an Olympic entrepreneur and sort of quit working for the man, quit working for the Olympic team and train myself again. And nobody wanted this to happen. Nobody. I mean, everybody came out of the woodwork telling me what was a bad idea. (laughs) I mean, I got painted with that broad brush of the wild child, the rebel, the non-team player. Um, But I knew it wasn't working. So I decided I was going to do it anyway and train on my own on borrowed ice time uh, with no real program. And here's the thing. Here's the worst moment. This is probably the worst moment of my sort of entrepreneurial uh, 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 separation from the team. That season, uh, about a couple months later, I decided to drive 12 hours up to northern Michigan to a training camp and train with the team for just for a few days to sort of get, you know, back on the ice with with the other players and be used to skating with other people. And after the first session, unbeknownst to me, the skaters called together a meeting with the coaches and they voted me off the ice. They literally said, no, sorry, if you aren't going to train with us full time, you're not part of this team and you can't train with us at all. And I drive 12 hours back home to train all by myself again. And I, you know, I consider these people my friends and that really, really hurt. Uh, but ultimately, as I'll share with you later, it was the right decision. Now, did you ever identify what the issue was for you being part of Team USA that wasn't working for you as opposed to you really being able to find huge success working on your own? I did eventually, yes. Um, are you familiar at all with design thinking? No. All right, so design thinking is just a method. It's a methodology of problem solving. It's a way of getting yourself outside of your sort of situation, looking at it with perspective, and trying to identify a new approach to the same old problem. And uh, you know, the father of design thinking was this guy named David Kelly out of, out of Stanford. He happened to be my guidance counselor in oh, college. Wow. <laughs> so I was really lucky to sort of have this as a backdrop. So when I quit the team but not the sport, I decided to relook at sort of everything and now with perspective. Because when you're willing to quit, you're willing to sort of look at everything. Right. And I decided that the question they were answering, having me answer, which is how do we make John Coyle stronger, wasn't working. It just didn't work. Training harder, training the way they were training, training four times a day didn't work for me. It worked for a lot of people, but didn't work for me. I decided to answer a different central question. And this is the heart of design thinking is figuring out the right question. And the question I decided to answer was, how do I get to the finish line in less time? So it's a similar question, but it's a different question. And as soon as I asked a different question, it allowed me to be innovative in the way I skated. I actually changed my technique, and I actually started skating a shorter track. I figured if I could skate 15% less far, I could go 14% less fast and still win. Yeah. And, and, and in short track, if you've ever seen it, we now they skate this way again, but we skate sort of like NASCAR. We set up really wide for the corner, go really wide coming out, and we're going about 15% farther than necessary. And so I decided to try to skate the tightest possible track I could. I figured, again, if I go 15% less far, I go 14% less fast and still win. You win. And if you'd like, I'll tell you what happened. Bated breath, John. All right. So 
I did this all on my own for an entire year. I got kicked off the team, basically labeled and all kinds of broad brush strokes. And then I showed up one year later, didn't race for an entire year. Showed up for the very next race, the world championships, the, the trials to go to the world championships, the most important meet of the year in a non-Olympic year. And in my very first race, and keep in mind, this is a sport where first and second is always hundreds of a second. Right. In my very first race back, I beat my personal record by six full seconds. I broke the U.S. record by more than four seconds. Wow. And I skated faster than the world record. Wow. It changed everything. It's just a game changer. You know what that kind of reminds me of, John, is the Fosbury flop. I mean, when everybody in the Absolutely. high jump was just diving over it, and this guy's like, I don't have to do it that way. So what happens from there? Uh, from there, I, uh, I skated really at the top of, of my game for, for several years. Um, I set the fastest uh, time in the world in the 500 meters that, that year as well um, and went on to have a great couple of years. I will tell you the sad ending to this story sure. is – uh, going in for now the 98 – so in the 94 games, I won a silver medal. Uh, going into the 98 games, I was going in as a, as a gold medal hopeful, and I made the mistake of rejoining that team uh. and that program, and I not only didn't take home the gold medal, I didn't even make the team again. Wow. It was so, so embarrassing, humiliating, disappointing. I can't even tell you. Why would you go back? You know, there was a part of me that always believed that I just sort of lucked into – that like I had put in my time and I just happened to break through that third year of uh, when I trained on my own. And, you know, those great people, great coaches, everybody was telling me I should go back and, and that it would make me that much better. And the reality was that program just never did work for me. How do people skate today? Do they still do the Y turns? Uh, they are back to the wide turns because they're going so fast that the ice won't actually hold them oh. if they try to dive in like I was doing there for a few years. I mean, they just keep getting faster and faster. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's just in, in every sport. It's it's scary. It's crazy. Wow. So a lot of things that I want you to think about, Fire Nation. I mean, that design thinking, that design ideas. I mean, that is just a way that you don't even think outside of the box. It's like you're so far outside of the box, you don't even see the box anymore, Fire Nation. And that's a place that you want to be living as an entrepreneur. It's phenomenal in every way. So, John, we typically move into another story now. And yeah. the story's an aha moment. And of course, you had like one of the biggest aha moments of any sports athlete of all time with that. I mean, not only shaving six seconds off of your time, but four seconds off of a world record in a, in a, you know, a sport where hundreds of, a se of seconds mean huge, huge deals. It's absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, it really, really is. And I, I hope you understand how mind-blowing it is, Fire Nation. So you had that amazing aha moment, but you know, you have lived a life. I mean, you have been in business, NBC, author, you name it. So you've had a ton of aha moments. So can you take us to another story at another point in your life when you had a brilliant idea that you executed wonderfully on and really break that down for us? Uh, sure. So actually, I'll just finish that other story. It, it sort of, uh, it turned into something pretty amazing. So when I didn't make the 98 team, uh, I was so embarrassed that I actually got off the ice. I walked out to my car with my skates still on. I didn't even get my skate guards. I walked across concrete with my skates. 
and took them off in my car, and then I drove 45 hours to Arizona where I moved. I sent my silver medal to my parents. I didn't see it for a decade. I gave all my awards away. It had nothing to do with the sport. I was that humiliated because you bring a lot of people on this journey, right? And there's so many people supporting you. Yeah. And you go in and you know, you've sort of built up this notion you're going to come back with some hardware, and then you don't make the team. It's just it, – it really it, – it, I, I can't even describe how I mean, humiliating that was. Talk about humility. Yeah, wow. Right. I had nothing to do with the sport for 10 years. But here we are. I'm talking to you right now yeah. because something that happened next. So I'll share with you what happened next. 2006, I got a call from NBC and they said, would you be our analyst for the Olympic Games? And I couldn't say no to that. <laughs> You're right? like, hello. Um, so there, you know, got a trip to Torino to be in the Games. My job was to interview all the parents and skaters, get all the backstories, feed that to the commentators. And, you know, I was reimmersed in the sport that I had sort of abandoned and that I assumed it had abandoned me. Um, but it warmly welcomed me back and the parents and the skaters were really great and they remembered me. And, I, you know, I spent 17 days with these families. And on the 16th day, the night before the men's relay, my old event, one of the parents pulled me aside and, and what he said next changed my life. He pulled me aside and he's like, I have something to tell you. It's really important. And I said, okay. He's like, I really want you to listen. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just want you to know that we wouldn't be here right now and my son Alex would not be skating in the gold medal round tomorrow if it wasn't for something you did. And I said, I, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. He said, you won't remember, but 10 years ago, you came into Steamer's Pub in Bay City, Michigan for a little reception. Right after you won your silver medal, you put your silver medal around my son's neck. He was 11 years old at the time. He'd never skated before in his life. The next day, he joined the Bay City Speed Skating Club, and tomorrow he's skating for a gold medal. <laughs> wow. And it just changed everything. It, for some reason, it made everything okay. It made it worth it, like impacting what – because, you know, you feel selfish about being a competitor, and it's all about me. And, and so those words – I mean, re- I got back involved. I started coaching, got my daughter involved. I've been involved with, with broadcasting. So I wrote him this letter thanking him for the impact on my life because I never spoke about this. And he wrote me back this letter that to me sort of – it puts everything that I believe in, everything that I'm about uh, up on a pedestal, which is I believe you need to live a life for your strengths. And when you do, people watch and it, it matters. And so this is how he ended his letter to me. I guess you'll never know what you'll do or say or not do or say that could change somebody's life forever. And it took me 12 years to find out that something I did that mattered, and we may never find out or may, may, may take 20 years, but I do think when you live a life based on your strengths, we are pursuing excellence, you really build a platform that can influence lots and lots of people in really positive ways. Live a life for your strengths, Fire Nation. So, John, you just dropped a ton of value bombs throughout that story. Just let's wrap this part up in a little bit of a bow sure. here. So just kind of maybe sum up for Fire Nation in just one or two sentences. Like, what do you really want to make sure that we get from this story? Well, from this story, I'd say the thing that I think most people, you know, I, there's a throw quote, right? Most men live lives of quiet desperation yes. and go to the grave with the song still in them. I think many, many adults are so trapped in the I can't quit, I'll never quit, I must not quit uh, paradigm that they fail to see that to the left and right of them are amazing opportunities to leverage what they're truly best at, what their true talents are. And when they don't explore, the, 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 the whole world misses out on that amazing talent opportunity, yeah. you know, that hidden mu- musician, uh, poet, astronomer, uh, athlete, 
that never gets to see the light of day because they never bothered to quit something that maybe they shouldn't be doing in the first place. Wow. Powerful words. Now, John, what's your biggest weakness as an entrepreneur? My biggest biggest weakness is I am not high on follow through. (laughs) The whole world is a bright, shiny object. I will say yes to more things than I'm possibly can physically deliver. Like EO Fire! <laughs> uh, sense a kindred spirit, perhaps. But, uh, <laughs> but that's why I have a partner, right? So one of the things about living a life for your strengths is identifying that you also have weaknesses. They're usually inverse of the same thing. Most creative, innovative types tend to be disorganized and low on follow-through. Therefore, I have a partner, Monica, who is incredibly detail-oriented, high on follow-through, and frankly holds me accountable to deliver the things that I promise. And this really goes with the theme of what you've crafted for this entire interview, John, about spending time, Fire Nation, amplifying your strengths. If you're really good at something and you like it, why not amplify your strengths by just focusing on that and become great? Because we want people in this world who are great at something. Why do people spend so much time becoming okay at something that they're crappy at? Because we don't want okay. We don't care about okay. So leave the stuff you're crappy at for other people that are good at it, and that's their strengths, and amplify your own. Now, John, on the flip side, what's your biggest strength? You know, I'd say my biggest strength is I, for whatever reason, I think, you know, maybe it's parenting or whatever, but I, I have a pretty great tolerance for risk. I'm willing to try new stuff, not knowing necessarily whether it'll work. And I'm sort of willing to take the punches, uh, to go do my own thing. And, and hence now I'm an entrepreneur, you know, doing the speaking and the, the workshops. Six months ago, I was working for the man as I had since I had retired from skating. It was a big leap, uh, definitely very scary, uh, but boy, so rewarding. Mm. John, let's bring things to today, present times. What's the one thing that has you most fired up right now? My obsession right now and has been for frankly for 10 years is around the nonlinear nature in which our brains process time. So we all experience this, right? The, you know, long boring meeting that seems to go forever and only, only half an hour has gone by. And you always you know, you contrast that to an old friend comes in from out of town. We haven't seen in a long time. Oof. You sit down and you know, 20 minutes later, three hours has gone by. Right? <laughs> so, so so our brains don't have a clock, or actually more accurately, they have about 30 or so. And these things are, are running in all kinds of weird synchronicity that are uh, the, the primary drivers are your environment, your activities, and your emotions. And so what I'm obsessed with is understanding the neuroscience of how our brains process time. And very specifically, my goal in life is to help people unwind cognitive time and slow, stop, and reverse the perceived acceleration of time and live summers longer than when you were a kid. And that is horology. Correct. It's a word I'd never heard before. And I do not think this is going to be the last time I hear this word. And Fire Nation, if you've been impressed even a little bit, and I know it's actually been a lot with what John's been going through today, don't go anywhere because he's going to be dropping value bombs galore in the lightning rounds. But we're going to take a quick minute to thank our sponsors. 
A major pet peeve of mine is spelling errors, especially when I know they can be avoided. Making sure your writing is clear, easy to read, compelling, and error-free is so important. As entrepreneurs, we always want to put our best foot forward. That's why I love Grammarly, a writing app that checks for grammar, spelling, punctuation, and even offers suggestions on sentence structure, style, clarity, and word choice. The best part is that Grammarly works wherever you're writing online, whether it's an email, on LinkedIn, or on a blogging site. Grammarly is like a second pair of eyes, helping you make sure you're always putting your best foot forward. Download Grammarly today for free. Visit Grammarly.com slash fire. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash fire. Most entrepreneurs I know are addicted to their mobile phones. And why not? We're working from home, in our cars, shared office spaces, even dorm rooms. Plus, we're working with remote employees, freelancers, and multiple team players. Heck, when you consider all the time we spend on our mobile phones, you might even say we love them. But keeping personal and business calls separate can be tough. You might even use two mobile phones, but that's expensive. Not to mention annoying. What if you miss that one big call you've been waiting for? That's why I use eVoice. You don't have to buy a second phone to get a second line. There you go. Now you've got yet another reason to love your phone. So go ahead and grab it. Yep, the mobile phone that's right in your hands and visit evoice.com and add a second line today. Evoice is offering Fire Nation an extended 60-day free trial. Visit evoice.com and use promo code FIRE. That's evoice.com, promo code FIRE. John, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? I am ready. <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? You know, I think it's a lot like everybody. I didn't actually know, despite talking about it for more than a decade, I didn't actually know the very specific nature of my strengths as a business person. I discovered them as an athlete. And I, and I, you know, I have a strong opinion on this. I think strengths are super specific. So people will paint you with a broad brush. You're fast or you're a good communicator. I've been accused of being both of those. Okay. <laughs> but I was fast only in short events. And then as it turns out, here's my super strengths as an athlete. I'm fast at short events that require uh, generating a boatload of power for short intervals with a short rest while balancing, traveling at high speeds, surrounded by a bunch of people trying to kill me. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> right? That, and there's only two sports that that describes. That's short track speed skating and velodrome cycling, the two sports I've gone to the world championships in. In business... I didn't know this until recently, but my superpower is, and you know, good communicators. Are you to whom about what? Are you good at storytelling? Are you good right. at data? Blah blah blah. But my superpower, as it turns out, is I am good at taking complex matter, turning it into a narrative that's approachable for audiences. I'm better with large audiences, and I'm better with high achievers that want to achieve even more. So. I didn't know that until two years ago. I never did a paid speech until January 28th of 2014, and now it's my entire career. Wow. Well, I've interviewed 1,300 successful entrepreneurs, many of whom Amazing. speak for their living. And I can tell you, John, you do have that gift, my friends. Well, thank you, sir. What is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received, and I, I say this in every talk I ever give, was my coach who burned this into my head from age 12 till 25. Over and over again, he would say the following, race your strengths, design around your weaknesses. Race your strengths, design around your weaknesses, meaning you will get better at the things you're already good at, so focus on what you're best at, and don't try to fix your weaknesses. Find ways to design around them. John, what's a personal habit that contributes to your success? 
for me, and I, I think most human beings are wired this way, I have to exercise. I ride my bike every day, at least six days a week. And if I don't, if I take more than a few days off, my mind just isn't as clear. I'm a walker. I do 10,000 steps around the bay here in San Diego yeah, every perfect. single day. That's just, that's my thing. That's clearing the head, getting outside, getting the vitamin D of the San Diego sun. Huge. Where do you bike? I actually bike in the snow is my favorite. Actually, I have a, what's <laughs> called a fat bike. Yeah. About five inch tires. So we're getting snow right now. I will be out later in that. I love that. But I ride that most of the time on the trails around here. But I do actually race most weekends. So I'll do 20 to 30 races a, a year. You know, we use those bikes in San Diego, too, in the sands. Yeah, I know. I got to try it sometime. It's fun. I'm coming out. I'm riding with you. Yes. Share an internet resource like Evernote with Fire Nation. So I love OmniFocus, which I think isn't entirely dissimilar, but I keep all of my tasks, my projects, my long and short-term goals, uh, resources, links, everything in there. It syncs to my phone. So if I ever need to look something up, I just pull it up on my phone if I'm not at my computer. I've been using it for years. I love it. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? I love the book called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. Have you heard of it? Never. All right. It's very similar, I would say, to um, Malcolm Gladwell's Overachievers, um, but the or Outliers, I mean, sorry. But this is actually a look into the neuroscience of talent, huh. and very specifically what Daniel did, he got a grant to travel around the world to hot spots of talent where there was... There was too much talent coming out of the same place. Uh, you know, women, women tennis players out of Russia, uh, female golf players from Korea, right. baseball players from Curacao, uh, uh, musicians from the Adirondacks. And he found the patterns that lead to great talent being developed versus being found. Meaning, how did it, it was created, it wasn't natural. And these patterns he outlays in this book, um, I am actually also a progeny of. I just happened to be in Detroit in the 70s and 80s where it was the center of cycling and for, to some extent speed skating for the globe for quite some time. The talent code. Love that. And Fire Nation, I know that you love audio. So I teen up with Audible. And if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook for free at eofirebook.com. Now, John, I want to end today on Fire Brother with a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. I would encourage everybody that's trying to manage their time to start thinking about time differently. And very specifically, this is probably the greatest learning I've had in my 40-some years on this planet, is that the value of an increment of time is not related to its duration. Hmm. If you can accept that the value of an increment of time is not related to, to its duration, it's sort of like taking the red pill in the <laughs> matrix. Everything looks different because you can start to value your investments in time, not based on their duration, but based on the value they bring you. And mo small moments of time can truly, truly matter. And in terms of contacting me, uh, I have uh, my website's the best way. It's johnkcoyle.com or theartofreallyliving.com. Same thing. Go to the same place. And I love comments, questions, and uh, guest blogs. So please contact me if you're interested in learning more. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with JKC and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type J-O-H-N, John, in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. Of course, visit him directly, John K. Coyle with a C.com, John K. Coyle.com. 
And John, I want to say thank you, brother, for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, JLD. One of the challenges we face as entrepreneurs is keeping our personal and business lives separate. If you're like me, you're constantly doing business from different locations and making calls to different people. Guess what? There's no longer a need for two phones. Just get a second line added to your mobile phone from eVoice. eVoice is offering Fire Nation an extended 60-day free trial. Visit eVoice.com. Use promo code FIRE. That's eVoice.com. Promo code FIRE. Fire Nation, thank you for listening to EO Fire. Visit eofire.com for killer resources, free trainings, and so much more. If you want some behind-the-scenes intel on how I'm taking EO Fire from a seven to an eight-figure-a-year business, all from my living room, text EO Fire to 33444 and ignite.